the State of Florida Sports Podcast, presented by the USA Today Network. Here's your host, Tim Walters. Tampa Bay Buccaneers went into the 2023 NFL Draft with plenty of options and holes to fill. Some thought they would use their number 19 overall pick to take an offensive lineman. Some thought they might go with a defensive player. Others thought they might take a quarterback to fill the void left by the retired Tom Brady. In the end, they chose to go with Kalijah Kansi, a 6'1", 281-pound defensive tackle from Pittsburgh. They went on to take seven more players during the course of the draft for a total of eight picks. They entered with nine but made some moves to pick up some players they wanted. How did they do, and can the Bucks be better than many expect in 2023? To fill us in, I welcome back Ira Kaufman, longtime Bucks reporter who works for JoeBucksFan.com. Ira will break down all the picks and grade how he thought the Bucks did. Hello again, everybody. I'm Tim Walters, and thank you once again for joining me on the State of Florida Sports Podcast, powered by the USA Today Network. This podcast utilizes our Florida Sports Network of beat writers, columnists, and some special guests to bring you up to speed on the most important sports topics. Our Florida network consists of 17 news sites that encompass the state. We encourage you to subscribe to your hometown newspaper, and of course, this podcast, to help support the incredible journalism done by our talented staffs. Ira Kaufman predicted the Bucks would go with an offensive lineman with their first pick in the draft. Let's find out if he liked the direction in which the Bucks went. Ira, welcome back to the podcast. My pleasure, sir, my pleasure. Alrighty, so as I mentioned in my intro... When I talked to you prior to the draft, you thought the Bucks would use the number 19 pick on an offensive lineman, which was actually a kind of consensus that people were coming to. Instead, they go with a defensive tackle. So were you surprised with what the Bucks did? And did you like the pick of defensive tackle Kalijah Kansi? Well, I was slightly surprised because uh, I thought there was one uh, stud lineman, uh, Anton Harrison from Oklahoma, uh, still on the board when the Bucks picked at 19. I didn't think defensive tackle uh, was a huge position uh, of need uh, because they picked up uh, Greg Gaines from the Rams uh, during free agency uh, and plugged him in next to Vita Vea. But uh, they obviously thought Cansey was too good uh, to bypass. Now, you know, let's not mention him and Aaron Donald in the same sentence quite yet. The guy hasn't made his first tackle uh, behind the line of scrimmage, his first sack. Um, and Jason Light was very funny during his press conference. He said, well, it's not fair to compare him to Aaron Donald. How about John Randall? Now, that's a funny line. And and he quickly followed up saying he was kidding because for our listeners that don't know anything about John Randall, he, he's in the Hall of Fame. He's got a gold jacket. Uh, and he was one of the few defensive tackles that Warren Sapp actually respected uh sort of as a mentor so that tells you all you need to know about john randall but uh i was a little surprised and they ended up not drafting a tackle um so the consensus seems to be yeah tristan Wirfs, who's all world at right tackle uh, i i think uh, they're going to at least try him on the left side in training camp see what happens during the preseason uh, i'll say this if Worf struggles uh, at all, and I mean at all, making the transition from right to left, I'm, I'm putting him back in his natural right tackle spot. I'm not fooling around with Tristan Worf. He's arguably the best right tackle in football. Uh, it's not that easy a transition. He's a great athlete, 
If anybody can do it, it's him. But uh, it surprised me uh, that the Bucks uh, ended up, um, you know, taking uh, eight guys and, and none of them were offensive tackles. That was a little surprise to me. Yeah, and you mentioned Anton Harrison. He, of course, stayed in state, but he was chosen by the Jaguars at number 27, and they dra- uh, traded down twice from 24 to 25 to 27 to get him. So I was surprised to see him that far down, but I'm sure Jaguars are going to be happy to eventually have him protecting Trevor Lawrence. So uh, let's move on to the second round here for the Bucks, and they traded their number 50 overall and number 179 picks to Green Bay, so they could move up to 48. And there they took Cody Mock, who is an offensive tackle from North Dakota State. So tell us about him and what you thought of this move. Well, if um, if Tansy was a bit of a surprise with the 19th pick, um, you know, Mock was absolutely not a surprise. Um, I mentioned two guys for the box a couple of weeks ago in a column. You know, I'm not one of these guys that mentioned 23 guys and then if if the Bucks pick somebody on your list, then you come out with a big headline. I, I got the Bucks pick right. Uh, no, I, I mentioned one or two guys, that, and Mark was one of them. Um, I mean, he absolutely fits the Jason Light profile. Uh, you know, a mauler, a nasty offensive lineman, and Jason Light has had some success picking offensive linemen. I mean, you, you got to give it up for, uh, for Light. He, he's missed at other positions. But, you know, in 2015, when they drafted Winston, he followed up with Donovan Smith and Ali Marpet. I mean, two solid picks. Uh, he ends up with Alex Kappa, who's a pretty good guard now with Cincinnati. And then, of course, you know, the Kappa was Tristan Wirfs. So, Light's got a good track record. Uh, you know, when I saw that this guy was missing two front teeth, uh, and he was from a small school, uh, and he was uh, a mauler, uh, I said, this this is a Jason Light pick. Uh, they wanted him so bad, they moved up a little bit, gave up a little bit of draft capital. Um, I firmly expect, uh, if I have to pick one guy that's going to be on the field as a rookie um, for quite a bit uh, for the Bucks this fall, I- I'm picking this guy. Uh, of course, Cansey will we'll get his snaps, but I think this guy's an immediate starter. They got two open guard spots. Um, and um, they're going to plug him in at left guard or right guard. I don't think it matters. I don't think he'll compete for a tackle job. Jason Light uh, quickly said, uh, even though this guy's versatile, uh, they project him at guard, and that's that's where he's going to play. Yep, six foot six, three hundred two pounds, long flowing hair, and no front teeth. So this guy looks like a gamer. I have to agree with you. It'll be fun to watch him. So moving to the third round at number eighty-two, they take Yaya Diaby, a linebacker from Louisville and he has fabulous speed and some see him as an eventual replacement for Levante David. So tell us a bit about him and, uh, you know, having one of the most fun names in the draft on your roster. That's for sure. You know, uh, he is impressive athletically. There's no question. And he was productive uh, at Louisville. Um, you know, I think the bucks are hedging their bets a, a little bit. Uh, with Joe Tryon Shoyinka, who comes off the right edge. Um, this will be his third year. He's had four sacks in each of his first two seasons. The Buck fans have been disappointed with, with JTS. Uh, he was a first round. He was, I think he was the last pick of the first round uh, when the Bucks were coming off that championship season. And he really hasn't progressed. And if he doesn't take a step up in year three, 
he's going to lose his job and, and, and may not be on this team in 2024. So here comes this kid. Of course, you got Shaq Barrett, who had that incredibly tragic um, you know, moment uh, this weekend with, with his uh, two-year-old child uh, dying in the pool. Uh, prayers out to their family. Um, but he's coming off uh, an Achilles, and you never know. Uh, and he's their leading uh, rusher. So here comes Diaby, who, who's got a knack for uh, coming off the edge with, with speed and power. Um, I, I think uh, I, Try and Shayink better watch himself uh, because um, if he doesn't impress Todd Bowles early in this season and the Buck defense is struggling a bit uh, to harass uh, passers, um, you're, you're going to see this kid Diaby given a chance uh, as an edge rusher. All righty. So then after that, they didn't have a fourth round pick. They go into the fifth round, and here they take Servosha Dennis, who's a linebacker from Pitt. Now, he was a teammate of their first pick, Kalijah Kansi. So is this one of those cases where they're looking at uh, Pitt for one reason and they find another and then get both of them? Or, you know, what drew them to Dennis? First of all, he's got a great name. Uh, that's number one. Number two, uh, to me, the biggest shocker uh, for the Bucks draft was that Jason Light was patient enough to sit out the fourth round uh, and, and let the whole round go by and sit idle uh, and not make a trade up to get back into the fourth round, which is a pick I think they gave up last year in, in a deal. Uh, you, you know Light was terribly frustrated by not having that fourth round pick. So they bounced back uh, in day three, and they take uh, Mr. Dennis, who will be an immediate um, you know, contributor on special teams. He will. Uh, and I think he's a little bit of a hedge uh, from the inside linebacker positions because they play a 3-4. Um, look, Levani David not getting any younger. He's the longest tenured buck. He's still a good player, uh, but he signed a one-year deal. Um, and then you got the Devin White situation. Uh, somebody who Todd Bowles has gone out of his way uh, to deflect criticism, uh, even from somebody like Warren Sapp, who, who says that Devin White has a tendency to take some plays off and, and be lazy. Uh, that's a cardinal sin uh, for Bowles. Um, and, you know, the news came down a couple of weeks ago that Devin White's disgruntled. He's not happy. He wants that big contract extension. And quite frankly, the Bucks want to see more before they're going to give him 80 or $100 million. Uh, on a long-term deal. Uh, this is a huge season for Devin White. A lot of Buck fans have already turned on him. They don't like the fact that uh, he, he, you know, his agent went public uh, with this demand to be traded. Um, so the uh, future of the inside linebacker position is a little cloudy for the Bucks going forward. Uh, Dennis is going to get his chance, probably not this year, but uh, I, I think they're counting on him to be a starter uh, in two or three years down the line, inside. All right. Well, now moving on, the, the Bucks then did do some wheeling and dealing. Light, he moved the 175th and 252nd picks to the Rams to move up four spots to 171. Here they took Purdue tight end Payne Durham. So, you know, Durham, <laughs> you know, you've already got Cade Otten, who is six foot five and 247 pounds. Now they go and get a tight end that's six foot five and two hundred fifty five. First, I think these guys grew up near nuclear plants to be this size, 
But, you know, uh, why did they take this tight end here? What does this mean for Otten, who was last year's fourth-round pick? And, some, you know, many thought he was going to be a starter this year, probably still will be. And, and uh, you know, so what does the pick of Payne Durham mean uh, for that tight end room? Uh, I think Durham is, is picketed uh, as a red zone target. Uh, I mean, I, I think he's that specific. Look, they, they don't mind Otten. Uh, he had a decent rookie year. He caught over 40 passes. He earned Tom Brady's trust, which, which isn't easy. Um, and Durham's not going to beat anybody with his speed. You know, it's going to be tough for him to separate. But he's a huge target uh, in the end zone for what we think is going to be a Baker Mayfield-led offense. Uh, the Bucks were not great in the uh, red zone last year. They don't. They don't. Their rushing touchdowns are, are dismal. Uh, I think they ran for four touchdowns. Uh, the Eagles ran for uh, 31. Uh, granted, they got Jalen Hurts, but Hurts didn't score 31 rushing touchdowns. Uh, so, you know, if, if you struggle to run the ball in the red zone, you, you got to cash in. And this guy's a huge target. Uh, I don't think he's going to take Otten's starting job. He's not a great blocker. Um, but, you know, he, he's got a knack for reaching the end zone uh, at Purdue. And I think, um, you know, that uh, that intrigued Jason Light and, and his scouts. Um, you know, if Durham scores five touchdowns this season, mostly as a red zone target, I, I think the Bucks would be very happy with that. All right. And I still believe Cade Otten is the NFL player whose name most likely sounds like it would exist in the Star Wars universe as a pilot or something, Cade Otten. <laughs> but I digress. Uh, at, at pick number 181, then, the Bucks went with cornerback Josh Hayes, who's out of Kansas State, a team that really uh, you know, came out of nowhere the last couple of years uh, after having a down decade or so. Uh, so Kansas State improved. But Josh Hayes, you know, really good player. You know, he'll have some room to grow as he'll be behind Jamel Dean and Carlton Davis. So uh, what do you know about Hayes? Tell us a little bit about him. Well, I think he's going to have an opportunity to contribute. They they lost Sean Murphy Bunting uh, in free agency. Uh, they drafted a kid named Zion McCollum, uh, who ended up uh, starting three games uh, last year. But he was very up and down. Uh, and like most rookie cornerbacks, he looked lost uh, on occasion. They're not giving up on McCollum. But um, I think there's an opportunity past Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean. Uh, you, you can't have too many cornerbacks in this league now. Hayes is not known as, as, a, as a blanket cover guy, but that's fine. Uh, he's physical. He's feisty. He had over 60 tackles, uh, which is a good number uh, from a defensive back position. Um, and he'll help immediately on special teams. Look, the buck coverage units the last three or four years, they, ha they haven't been great, even though – you know, Jason Light mentioned a couple of years ago that it was a draft really targeting uh, special teams help. Uh, special teams continue to be a problem uh, for this organization. Um, so I think that's where Hayes will make his initial impact. Uh, but there's going to be room for him behind those two high-priced corners. All right. And then some more wheeling and dealing done uh, in another deal with Tampa Bay going. Uh, they got the 191st pick from Philadelphia in exchange for a 2024 fifth-round pick. And there they chose Nebraska wide receiver Trey Palmer. He ran the fourth-fastest 40 at the Combine. So uh, 
what type of compliment will he be? Are we going to see him much? You know, you've already got Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. You know, uh, could he become a third target here? And, uh, you know, eventually the speculation says Mike Evans could be dealt, you know, during the season if things aren't going well. So uh, where do you see Palmer fitting into the audi- uh, offense? Because I'm probably pretty sure a lot of people in Florida weren't watching Cornhusker football last season. You know, uh, Palmer's got one thing going for him, and, and it's a big thing. Uh, he, he, he's, he's, he's quick as heck. Uh, he is a speedster. Now, look, you mentioned Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. It's a heck of a tandem. And then you throw in Russell Gage, who's a pretty, a pretty good third option at receiver. But you know what? If you're really being honest, they're not burners, especially Godwin and Evans. Evans has never been a burner. Uh, he does his damage with his physicality, his size, his catch radius. Godwin's tough as heck, makes the tough catches out of the slot. But they don't fly past people. So here comes Palmer. Um, he could take the spot of a Scotty Miller, who, who was uh, very fast and made some big catches for the Bucks uh, during their championship run. But he's gone. And uh, Palmer will also get a look, a look uh, as a returner, punt returner, kickoff returner. They got a guy named Tompkins who did a, an okay job. So safe, so so job. They used to have Jalen Darden. He was just okay as a returner. Uh, it's been a long time since the Bucks had a dangerous guy uh, returning kicks. And, you know, with the way the league is now, I mean, every game's within seven points. You know, a 35-yard punt return can turn a game around. A 48-yard kickoff return uh, could be the difference. And the Bucks don't have that right now. Uh, I think Palmer will get a chance there. He, he, he wasn't outstanding at it uh, in, in Nebraska, but I think he's going to get a chance. And uh, I think he's also going to ch- get a chance to stretch the field. They don't have anybody else with that kind of speed. So there's a spot for him. Yeah, it's always important for these young guys to work really hard and at least make it on special teams. And you're, you're certainly not kidding about the importance of a kick return. You know, having watched all the Jaguars games last year, Jamal Agnew, on three or four occasions, just turned a game around and, you know, one kickoff return helps a team rally. So, you know, we'll keep our eye out for the speedy Trey Palmer. Now, another team that probably people in Florida weren't watching were the Eastern Michigan Eagles. And that's where the Bucks went for their final pick at 196. They grabbed linebacker Jose Ramirez. So uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about him and, uh, you know, do you see him making the team, making special teams, practice squad? Where do you see him fitting in? You know, some, some national draft uh, pundit, if I may use that word in quotes, um, they think this was a heck of a pick by Jason Light, uh, his last pick, uh, you know, the third and the sixth round. Uh, edge rusher, Eastern Michigan. The kid runs a 4-7. He's one of these guys is raw. You know, you don't know about the competition that, that he was facing in college. But... You know, 31, ta- 31 and a half tackles for lo- loss. That, that's a huge number uh, those last two seasons. 18 and a half sacks those last two seasons. Um, that tells Jason White that, hey, if we can give this kid Ramirez some really good coaching um, and work on his technique, uh, because you can't just be a speed rusher uh, in this league. They're going to figure out. They're, they're, they're too good. The offensive tackles are, are, are too good. The offensive 
line coaches are too good. You know, you you, you got to have some moves uh, so they can't uh, sit on you and steer you uh, wide, which is what happens uh, in the past with a lot of buck edge rushers uh, that were taken uh, high in the draft and they never made it. You know, the Daquan, uh, the Gaines Adams of the world, Daquan Bowers, uh, they did you know, they had that speed move, which is fine in college, but not at the next level. So they're going to work on Ramirez. He's raw. He's a prospect. Uh, you don't expect uh, immediate contributions from him necessarily uh, as a rookie, uh, but he's going right to special teams. There's no question about that. Um, and, you know, at least they addressed edge rusher. Um, overall, it's not a draft that's going to, you know, grab uh, people's attention necessarily. Uh, but that's okay. You know, when you're a mediocre team, which they were eight and nine last season and picking 19th and not fifth, uh, it, it's hard to cause a stir unless you're drafting a quarterback in the first round, maybe a running back, um, maybe a, a game breaking wide receiver that, that didn't happen. You know, they drafted for the trenches and you and I talked about it. They need help in the trenches. So in that respect, uh, Jason Light stuck to his board. Hey, and when you look at their schedule, Eastern Michigan did get a big victory over a Pac-12 opponent in Arizona State. So I don't know what that tells you, but it all adds up to good for him for getting drafted by the Bucks. <laughs> Only you would do that kind of research, sir. Only you. <laughs> all right. Well, you know, it, when you look at the totality now of the draft, the eight picks, they came in with nine, ended up with eight. What type of letter grade might you give the Buccaneers for the 2023 draft? They didn't have an overwhelming number of picks when the draft started. They didn't have a fourth-round pick. 18 other guys were off the board before they made their first pick. Um, you know, I'll, I'll give them a B, a, a B-. minus. Um, what surprised me a little was they didn't draft a running back, and I don't mean at 19, because uh, Gibbs and Robinson were, were long gone, uh, and there wasn't a running back worth taking at 19. But I'm talking about, you know, maybe in the fifth round, one of those three sixth-round picks, take a flyer on a running uh, I, I I fully expect them uh, to sign another running back when, uh, when, when some good players get cut, you know, right before the season starts. Um, I don't think they have enough in Rashad White and Keyshawn Vaughn. I, I just don't think that's enough. And, um, you know, and they didn't take a tackle. So in that sense, uh, that knocks their grade down a, a little bit. But uh, I, I fully expect two starters out of this draft right off the bat uh, with those first two picks. Um, and, you know, can't see next to Vita Vea. That's, um, that, that gives uh, Todd Bowles uh, a, a few uh, a few pieces in his arsenal, uh, and, and Bowles is very good at utilizing his personnel. Cansey's uh, very quick with that first step. Uh, the Bucks have, uh, you know, been blessed with some uh, interior defensive linemen that were known for their first step, uh, a la Warren Sapp. Of course, I'm not comparing Cansey. Maybe a more apt comparison, Gerald McCoy, uh, who a lot of Buck Nation likes to pick on, uh, but the guy made six Pro Bowls. And is probably going into the ring of honor one day. Um, and if Canty's as good as uh, has as good as career as Gerald McCoy, I, I think Buck fans would be happy with that. Oh, I certainly agree there. So, do you think that with what the Bucks have done here, 
can they maybe overachieve more than people think they're going to in 2023? Because right now this team doesn't have high expectations. Well, I don't think I'm going to surprise you when I say much depends on the play under center. Uh, Baker Mayfield, this is his fourth team in 15 months. Now, he was the first overall pick in the draft. He did have a good season with the Browns in 2020. They won 11 games. They won a playoff game and then went to Arrowhead and, and played the Chiefs pretty tough. And, and Mayfield played well in, in the postseason. Uh, I believe the first playoff game was in Pittsburgh. They scored 48 points, uh, the Browns, and, and won that game. Now, he, he did have the benefit of a, of a solid running game. Uh, they had two backs, Kareem Hunt. Um, and they had, you know, they had a strong running game and the Bucks don't, the Buck running game right now looks bleak. And I think that's going to hurt Mayfield. So in terms of look, the, the NFC South's not going to be down forever. It doesn't work like that in the NFL. Somebody's going to pop up. Maybe, maybe the saints with, with Derek Carr, maybe, uh, the Falcons have made some good moves. And of course, Carolina, uh, Rice Young's the real deal. You know, Carolina's got a pretty good defense. They could be competitive. So I think it's going to be tough for the Bucs to win their third straight division title. The Vegas odds makers don't like this team. Before the draft, they had them at about six and a half wins. And I don't think anything that happened over the weekend is, is really going to change that number. Uh, I, I think uh, it might be a long season for the Bucs. And if it is, as you mentioned earlier in this podcast, all bets are off the table in midseason in terms of some veterans uh, that could depart and, and accumulate draft capital. And Look, it's not crazy to look ahead to 2024. I mean, if Mayfield doesn't get the job done uh, and he beats out Trask, which will tell you everything you need to know about Trask, um, they need a, they'll need a quarterback. And, and the 24 draft, uh, I think at the very top, has better quarterbacks than the draft we just saw at the very top. Oh, certainly. You're going to have uh, Caleb Williams. You're going to have uh, Michael Penix up there in Washington. You know, there's going to be a lot of really good quarterbacks to look out for. But, you know, I, I was going to ask you one question about Mayfield there. And, you know, let's say you come out of camp into the season and it's a close competition between him and Trask and he gets the nod. How short a leash is on him if he struggles? Could we see Trask week three, week four, would it be that quick? Or what do you think is going to happen there this year? I think all it would take would be a, a one and four start because, um, you know, look, who's making the call uh, and who should make the call? Uh, the head coach. Um, and of course, when it comes to quarterback, uh, this ownership group is not known as a, as a meddlesome group. It's not Jerry Jones. They don't have press conferences after every game. But when it comes to quarterback, the Glazers are very involved. Um, at one and four, and if, you know, Bowles is coaching for his coaching life. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, he's had four straight losing seasons as a head coach between the Jets and the Bucks. If he makes it five losing seasons, the odds are he won't be back uh, for a sixth uh, chance. So, he can't let the season, you know, go to pot. Um, if Mayfield's not getting the job done, uh, he's going to have to have a quick hook. And at that point, uh, I think the Glazers would sign off on that. They don't have any allegiance necessarily to Baker Mayfield. They didn't draft him. 
and they didn't pay him a ton of money. So there's not that much invested in Baker Mayfield, which is the reason why it was a good move by the Bucks to give him a chance, give him an opportunity. Uh, I think he'll beat out Trask, but uh, if that opening month is shaky, uh, I think uh, the hook's going to be uh, pretty quick for Todd Bowles. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people would be interested to see what Trask can do, uh, given a few games in an NFL setting, but maybe we'll see this upcoming season. So, Ira, is there anything else you want to convey about the Bucks, the 2023 draft, or anything else in general? Well, the schedule's coming out uh, next week, young man. Uh, you know, it, it's uh, there's tremendous interest in it. I mean, look, look at the interest in the draft. 300,000 people coming out in Kansas City. Incredible ratings. Uh, football's a monster. NFL, it's just a, it's a ratings monster. So here comes the schedule next week. All eyes. You know, you, you know which teams the Bucks are playing. That's not any surprise. But you don't know the order that they're playing. You don't know how many night games. And so I will leave you with this. Buck fans, uh, you had your day in the sun. And by the day in the sun, I mean playing under the lights, rather. Uh, and, you know, four night games, five night games. Uh, those days are over uh, for a while, for a while. Um, they're not a glamour team. Um, you know, they're in the NFC, which doesn't have the great quarterbacks, so to speak. Depends if you want to call Jalen Hurts elite. Uh, he might be runner up to the MVP, uh, but he's only had one really big season. But the point I'm making is, Every team has to get at least one prime time game. Maybe, maybe the Bucks can squeeze out two. Uh, but those days of uh, five prime time games, um, their history for a while. Brady is gone. Uh, he's working on a tan instead of his timing. And uh, he's taken, you know, and even Todd Bowles has used this word, aura, A-U-R-A. Um, the aura, uh, you know, is gone. Uh, and Tom Brady casts a huge net uh, in terms of uh, attracting viewers, even the casual sports fan. And he's no longer a Buccaneer. And I'm sorry, Baker Mayfield and certainly Kyle Trask doesn't fit that category. So here comes the schedule. And I think it's going to be very nondescript from a Buck standpoint uh, until they turn this thing around. We shall see. Uh, but it, it could be a while. It could. Yeah, they might be trading places with the Jaguars, who last year had 14 1 o'clock games and who haven't been on Monday night football since 2011 and haven't been on Sunday night football since 2008. I think both of those things will change for the Jags, and I think that this year the Buccaneers may see a little bit more of that themselves. You know, the Bucs, uh, you know, during that 12-year playoff drought uh, with Jameis Winston and Mike Glennon uh, and Josh Freeman, um, they, they they were ticketed for that 1 p.m. Sunday start. I mean, it happened all the time. Uh, back then, it was 16-game schedule. You you would They had 11, 12, 1 o'clock games. Um, I don't know if that's going to be the case this year. Sometimes in September, for home games, they, they like to start the Bucks at 4.15. Uh, for weather purposes, I understand that. But you get my point. Uh, 1 o'clock on Sundays, you're going to see a lot of Buck football this year. All righty. Well, Ira, again, I appreciate you coming on here. You can find all of Ira's work at JoeBucksFan.com. And if they want to find you on social media, Ira, where do they go? 
They go to I, at iCalfman76, uh, and I'll be on Twitter. Uh, we had a huge Bucks party uh, last week at Ybor City, very successful. We had almost 100 Buck fans come out. One guy came in from uh, Houston, flew in just for the party. Another guy said he's been spending the last seven years uh, in Australia and Singapore and never missed uh, one of our uh, Joe Bucks fan podcasts over the last six or seven years. So uh, you never know who's listening. Uh, could be Guam. I think I got two people in the Netherlands, um, a couple of people in Rome. So uh, I, I, I say hello to all my international listeners, and uh, it's been a pleasure being with you. Oh, that's great. And I'm glad that we can have the Joe Bucks fan family join the USA Today family and uh, it's always great having you on, Ira. I appreciate it, and I look forward to talking to you again once the season gets near here, and it will be sooner than later, I'm sure. Looking forward to it. All righty, and that's going to do it for this episode of the State of Florida Sports Podcast. I'm Tim Walters, and to quote Canadian novelist Lucy Maud Montgomery, who's best known for writing Anne of Green Gables, isn't it nice to think that tomorrow is a new day with no mistakes in it yet? It is nice. You can stay mistake-free by joining me again next time.